He said he'll take our sicknesses, surrender your sicknesses to him. He said he'll take our sorrows, surrender your sorrows to Jesus. He said he'll take your sin, surrender your sin to Jesus. And guess what? He'll take all that and then some. How many got some burdens they want to hand over to Jesus? How many got some family problems they want to hand over to Jesus? Problems on the job, hand it over to Jesus. Don't do it yourself. Surrender all to him. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining with me today. And how many are waiting for spring to spring back? Where did you go, spring? I was like, spring back some sunshine here. Hopefully that was the last of the snow. Hopefully that was the last. I'm waiting for chonkla weather. Anybody ready for the chonklas? Anybody? Nobody? Some of you winter folks here? All right. Open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 11. This is going to be somewhat similar to what we heard last week, talking about being blessed and prospering. Today I want to talk about taking charge. Somebody say, take charge. Thank you. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. It's time to take charge. We learned last week about being prosperous, being blessed, following Jesus' commands, bring us a blessing. We, at times, will be persecuted. People may not like what we're doing. That is true. But that is no excuse to be the best at what you and I are called to do. You're a mother or a father, be the best mother or father. Husband or wife, be the best husband or wife. You students in school, be the best. Don't get senioritis and quit doing your schoolwork now. End with straight A's. Pass your test. Do well in school. Those of us here that are a part of a society called Chicago, we're in this city, in the state of Illinois, be the best citizens. Don't litter, pick up after yourself. Drive nice in traffic. Be nice to your neighbor. Mow their lawn. Pick up their garbage. Can I hear an amen? We are to be the best. When we look at the scriptures, we see Jesus teaching us how to be the best. Jesus continually gave us examples of the level of excellence that he wanted us at. Now today, sadly, in the American culture, Christians have been looked at as less than. My friends who worked in the restaurant industry, you know who they said were the worst tippers? Christians on Sundays after they got out of church. That became our reputation. When it comes to those that uh, have religious beliefs, where do they normally put us in the mindset? They think of us as rednecks in the South not knowing anything, like in American culture. That's how they think about us. Or when I go to overseas and to other countries, like in India and Mexico, so often they think of the Christians, the Pentecostals, the ones who clap and shout. They're the poor ones. They're over here. They're not like us, the rich ones who go to the big cathedrals. But this is not the way it's always been. The American culture was built upon the beliefs that we hold here in this church. Protesting the Roman Catholic Church and its power over the state, we brought about a democracy free from the church and the state. We as Christians said we don't want to be ruled by the Catholic Church and we don't want to be ruled by monarchies. How many are thankful for the Revolutionary War that told the King of England and the Church of England where they could take it? Hallelujah. Can I hear an amen for that? We fought for our freedom, Protestant Christians. And even when you look at World War II and recent history of more recent times where we may have family members. I grew up with a grandfather, two of them actually who fought in World War II, Korean War. We fought against those in Europe who gave up their Christian traditions to follow fascists and communists. 
Italy, known for Rome and the Pope, was taken over by fascists. They didn't have an answer. Germany, which once used to be a Christian capital of Christian Europe, taken over by Hitler. Russia, known for its Orthodox Christian, became taken over by the communists. And what did good old America have to do? Go over there and whoop every one of them in Jesus' name. We whooped them all at different times. Can I hear an amen? Aren't you happy today that you're not a part of Russia? Aren't you today that you're not a part of Germany? They don't even allow them to own guns anymore. My friend was from Germany as a Christian young man. He said, after you guys whooped us, we don't have the freedom to have guns. So I said, you want to shoot them? Let's go shoot them. So I took them out shooting guns in Wisconsin. And I said, now listen, don't you go get any ideas going back to Germany. We'll come over there and teach you half kid. But God blessed America. I know we have our mistakes, we have our issues, but this is where we live today and we're here for the best. Now, oftentimes people bring up slavery. I wasn't here for it. My people were in Poland and Italy during that time. But you know what happened after the Christian got sick and tired of it? They killed each other by the hundreds of thousands to set free African Americans here while Africans are still enslaving Africans in Africa to this day. You ever heard of Somalia, Dofar, and these places, Sudan? You ever heard of their genocides happening today? And I know many people say, man, the border, I didn't cross the border, man, the border crossed me. That's my best, best Tex-Mex example here. Come on, gente, don't get too mad at me now. Yeah, but you're coming over this border now because Mexican on Mexican violence is a whole nother level. With the machete and what they do over there, come on somebody, how many are happy to be in America today? I know oftentimes we look back on those, those things that happened. Some of it may not have been fair, but I guarantee you ask any Latino at the border right now, hey, don't give it back to Mexico. We're glad we're still in America because we have done things here by God's grace. Study, and I don't just say this on the surface level, study the Revolutionary War and how Christians prayed against an army that was much greater than them. Study about the Civil War and how the South had all of the resources and how God spared the North and how during World War I and II, how we had to go over to their land, figure out strategies because they had the advantage and go over there and win in Jesus' name. So are the greatest days of America past, or are they still ahead? I believe the greatest nation is still here on this earth, and it's America, and I believe the greatest days are still ahead. Can I hear an amen? Now, if you wish to be in another nation, maybe the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, that's where you want to go, that's fine. But I take pride here in being an American, though I've only been here with my people for a, for a little bit less than a century. They came in the early 1900s fleeing Europe, and then they turned right back around and fought their wars. My grandfather freed, fleed Italy, or my great-grandfather fleed Italy, and then my grandfather turned right around to go fight in, in, in Italy and those other places. Why? Because they became communists and so forth. Just like now you see the Ukrainians having to kill their own brothers because of these wicked Russians. Can I hear an amen? It's just the way it is. It's not a skin color. It's a mindset. It's not a culture even. It's a mindset. You could be of the same culture, but if you adopt the wrong mindset, come on, somebody. And not only that, but heaven and hell is at issue. America has still sent out more missionaries than any nation, established more Bible colleges, and has been standing for freedom more than any other nation. Now, what are we going to do about it? I'm here like you. I'm looking at a world that seems to have gone mad. Do you ever look at this world and think they're the crazy ones? They're looking at you thinking you're the crazy one. So which one is crazy? Come on, think about it. Are we the crazy ones because we believe it's male and female? 
Are you crazy because you believe that, yes or no? You're the sane one, aren't you? Are you crazy because you believe that a child inside of a mother's womb deserves life and is a human being? If No, you're not crazy. They're crazy for wanting to kill it, are they not? And yet now when you look at even our Disney movies, to our sitcoms, reality shows, even to our politicians, they are taking over the worldview. And why is it? Because those who have power want more of it. Now, somebody could bring up to me, and they did at one time when I was preaching, well, what about all the evil things Christians did? Well, you know what happened during those times? The better Christians stopped those Christians. When the evil Christians of the Roman Catholic Church were taking over Europe, it was the Christian Protestants protesting that went against them and eventually left and established America, as I was saying before. The better Christians corrected the wrong Christians. Can I hear an amen? Same thing in our history here. What happens when things go wrong? The Christians need to fix the problems. We're the ones that fix it. Somebody say, take charge. Now, I know for many of you, you're more comfortable with church dealing with Bible stories. I know that there are visitors here where you're not used to a pastor who talks like this. Maybe your pastor said, we don't involve politics in the pulpit. Maybe your former pastor or priest used to say, you know what, we're all just going to learn how to get along. We're not going to really say anything controversial. But they have a problem with the Bible, don't they, those who have been coming here? I said, don't they have a problem with the Bible, don't they? Because John the Baptist preached against the authorities of that day when they got wicked. Jesus called Herod a fox. Jesus called the political leader of his day a fox. Can I hear an amen if you want to call political leaders some names every now and then? It's biblical in Jesus' name, but you better do it right. Don't just cuss them out. Don't curse them. If you use a name, do it to bless them to expose their wrong behavior. When I had got called out by the mayor for having church during COVID, I kept praying for her, not just calling her the names that everybody else calls her, Beetlejuice and all of that. Because the Bible says to respect and honor them, but I will rebuke her for her wickedness. Are you listening? There's a difference between being a vulgar name caller and using names to describe wicked behavior. That's what the Bible does. Bible calls them serpents and snakes and such and such to help us understand the behavior needs to change. Well, long story short, I ended up seeing the mayor on the west side while I was preaching. It's on video. You can see how I addressed her. She walked right by me. I had the microphone, and I said to her, stop oppressing the churches. I said, we pray for you, and we pray for this city, and we want to see you repent. And you know what I saw around her entourage? I saw people amening me. So that reminds me that no matter what's going on in the scene of what we consider to be bad or wicked, God can have people there fighting his good fight. Amen? Just like Daniel was in Babylon and God was using him. So we pray for our leaders. We can rebuke them. We can call out what they're doing, but we have to pray for them. And so we can't just give up on America. God has called us here. If today I was preaching in the Sudan, I would say let's not give up on Sudan. Let's write a history from the Bible that can change the world. From Sudan, we could become a paradise on earth in Jesus' name. Now, I know for many of us, even that just sounds weird. Pastor, aren't we just supposed to go to heaven? Why are we supposed to fight and pray and do things in the spiritual? When I say fight, I mean fight in the spiritual, not against flesh and blood. Amen? Okay, even though I do believe in just war, this is not the time for another civil war. It is our time to fight with the truth and to win over the lies and deception. One more time, can I get an amen? So we're fighting spiritual battles of the worldview. There is nothing that will change the homosexual community, the atheistic community in guns and violence. That will not work. What will change them is the preaching of the 
gospel. And I guarantee it to you, I know it's worked because people sitting next to you, some of them have come from the LGBT community. Some of them were transgender. Some of them were atheists. The guy holding the mic a few times, a few moments before with the man bun, or the, the somewhat of man bun, he used to be an atheist, and now he loves Jesus and is a pastor, pastoral intern here. Can I hear an Amen. But I just want to say that for some of us, we just think that the Lord's prayer is supposed to go like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom in heaven and bring me there quickly. Is that how the Lord's prayer goes? No, it goes, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you know why some conquistadors got carried away. Why? Because they thought to themselves, hey, kingdom of God, let's go. And they started doing things opposite of what Jesus said. You see, when a Muslim fights with the sword, he's doing exactly what Muhammad did. When a Muslim like your neighbor or my neighbor, and I have very good ones that are Muslim from around the world, different parts, Pakistan and other parts of the world, when they say, I don't fight with the sword, they're actually being a bad Muslim. Good Muslims follow Muhammad. Are you listening? Muhammad fought with the sword. Jihad was a part of what he did. When a Christian takes a sword, they're a bad Christian, though. Why are you a bad Christian if you take a sword to promote your religion? Because Jesus didn't fight with a sword. Are you guys listening to me? So when people say, hey, man, that's not the way I'm supposed to be as a Muslim. No, 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 no. We say, go back to your Quran. It says, fight those who disbelieve and fight them until they confess either in Allah or subdue them and make them pay the jizya, their tax, okay? So when a Muslim says, well, I don't want to do that, okay, great, you're more like a Christian. Forsake that false prophet and follow Jesus Christ, the real deal, amen? But when Christians take on swords and try to fight their battle that is spiritual with physical warfare, they're the opposite of Christ because Christ did not take up a sword. Christ said those who live by the sword died by the sword. Our Messiah was crucified as a martyr. That's a martyr. Are you listening to me? Not somebody who takes over a plane and shots Allah Akbar as he goes into the towers. That's not a martyr. A martyr is someone who has not taken, taken up arms but dies for their righteous cause. Martin Luther King Jr. was a martyr for the cause of civil rights. Can I hear an amen? There's, I said, can I hear an amen? And he was a reverend, and he used Christian principles to bring about the, the civil rights. And so what rights need to be brought about today? What injustices need to be dealt with today? Take charge and do them and uh, fix them and fight against them in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? amen? Take charge. Tell your neighbor, take charge. See, we're not supposed to just wait. Thank you. We're not supposed to just wait for heaven to come to earth. We're supposed to bring heaven to earth. When you come to this church, you're supposed to experience heaven. You're supposed to experience the songs, the worship, the nations, the teaching, the order, the blessing, the peace, and then you're supposed to bring that to your job, to your family, and to your community. How many of you have a safe place in your house and that when people come, they feel safe, they feel it's different, and they've even told you, when I walked into your house, I felt a peace here. How many have heard that before? Can I hear an amen? Christians have those kind of homes, don't they? Christians have the homes of peace. We are people of peace and people of blessing. When you have a neighbor, you want that neighbor to be like a Christian. Uh, you want them to be a Christian first and foremost, but if they're not going to be one, at least act like one. Amen? Come on. How many want to take back the reputation of what it means to be a Christian? That when they see us coming into the restaurant, they say, praise God, here come these Christians. They're going to tip me the best. 
That when we become their neighbors, they say, great, here's a Christian now. They're going to help me with my yard work. They're going to make sure that my house is safe, and their kids are going to be in order and help my kids do, what, do what's right. How many want to have that reputation again? That's what Christians do for a community. That's what Christians do for the schools. How many want to see the Bibles come back into schools and the metal detectors get out? Do you think it was any coincidence that when they took out the, metal det- they took out the Bible, they had to put in the metal detectors? Do you think it was any, any uh, coincidence that when they started teaching children, they came from the goo through the zoo to you, that violence increased because animals act like animals? Is any coincidence that when they told children that they could pick whatever gender and sexuality they wanted, that the suicide rate began to skyrocket again? You think those are any coincidence? No. It's reaping what you sow. We need to bring the Bible back into schools. We need to bring the prayer back before the morning's classes. Can I hear an amen? We need to bring the preachers back to the football field and pray for the sports teams. We need to have the commencement speakers call on God to bless our young people as they go to college, not to get an STD, but to get a degree in Jesus' name. Read about the, read about the STD increase on college campuses right now. We're living in traumatic times. Our schools, our families, our jobs need Christians. You have work to do. I have work to do. Are you ready? Somebody say take charge. Now let's look at Jesus' parable. See if this fits into what I was saying. Because I know some of you just want to hear Bible stories. Well, tell me about Noah's Ark again, Pastor. Tell me again about Moses and the Ten Commandments. Some, I'm just being honest. Daniel in the lion's den. And those Bible stories are powerful, but most in the church don't know how to apply it to their job. Most don't know how to apply it when your news is lying to you. I'm not saying everything is a conspiracy, but you know they lied to us during this time. After Omicron wiped out every one of their false lies, now they're trying to tell us the truth again. No, you should have told us the truth at the very beginning. We were all going to get COVID. Y'all knew that. COVID wasn't going to hurt 99% of us, but we had to do the right thing to protect those weakest among us. That was the whole point from the beginning. That's what should have been told to us. Not threatening us to get the vaccine, not threatening us to lose our jobs, not threatening to take our children away. And by the way, continue to pray for Canada because that pastor just got out of jail for 51 days for doing what I did here in God Blessed America. So if God calls him to Canada, he better have some prayers behind him. Amen? Because I'm glad I'm not in Canada. I'm glad I'm not there. How many are glad you're in America? And the only reason why most of these nations have any bit of freedom and they weren't taken over by Germany and all those places is because we stood up for them in Jesus' name. That's why sometimes people say, well, what about Norway or what about Scandinavia or what about Sweden? Let's be about like these nations. Every single one of those nations were the footstool of Germany until we got in on the scene. Are you listening? And so it takes you being tough about some things in life. It takes you wanting to take charge. Now, once again, I'm not using a a physical war to tell us to do a physical war now. I'm just saying God has blessed us when we have physically had to fight, and now it's a spiritual time. The Bible says there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. How many believe in peaceful times like this? We can win the war of worldviews against the devil and his lies with preaching the word of God. Amen. Are you all ready for that? In Jesus' name. But how many know right now in Ukraine they have to do both? Right now in Ukraine, they've got to read their Bible on a Sunday and then go pick up arms and fight the Russians. Some of you can't even get that in your mind right now. Isn't that just mind-blowing right now? Just think about that because I'm reading it from the Christian's point of view. Everybody gets your news somewhere, right? But I'm getting it from the Christians. There are Christian pastors and leaders having services before they have to go out and fight because they're protecting their country right now against the wickedness of communism. 
And it's only going to increase in the end times. Isn't that what the Bible says? Wars and rumors of wars. Sounds like we're in them right now. What else did he say would happen in the end time? Disease and pestilences. But I thought we were so smart now in the 21st century. Oh, it's still happening. What else did he say would happen during these times? Famines. Have you learned what COVID did to the agricultural business and how high weed is? You think gas is expensive. Look at the cost of all of our consumables right now and how that went out because where do you think those tractors get powered, what they get powered by? That gas price went right to your bread price, right to your grocery bill. Are you listening in Jesus' name? And if it doesn't stop, nations will go poor and go, uh, nations will go hungry because our world is suffering. And I thought we were smart and that shouldn't have happened. It's something how it all happened. We used to talk as Christians about the mark of the beast, and they would make fun of us. Oh, you say that one time in the future there's going to be a mark on your head or your hand, and you can't buy or sell without. Oh, that's not going to happen until Chicago told us you couldn't go to a restaurant without a vaccine card. I'm telling you, that woke up a lot of backsliders. I've been meeting backsliders all throughout this church. I'm going back to church. They told me about this. If this is just the beginning, what does it look like when the Antichrist comes? They shut me down over a vaccine. We have people on Facebook literally saying, if they don't got a vaccine, don't even let them go in the hospital get treated for COVID. People were willing to let their neighbors die without a vaccine. That's how the, that's how the brain changes over indoctrination. You change people long enough with indoctrination, you won't look at your human, uh, your Jewish neighbor as a human. You'll look at them as an other. Listen to me. And while boxcars are going by with, with, with boxcar full of Jews, you'll think you're still a good person as a German. They say, how did it ever happen? It happened just like this. When it starts little by little by little, they change the definition of things. They change the definition of things and until your mind is brainwashed. I know what a man is. I know what a woman is. Put me on the Supreme Court in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen for that? We need Christians to be Christians again. Now, here's the thing. Let me say this before I read this great parable. Somebody say, take charge. Thank you. Before I preach this parable, I wanted to be very honest with you. We don't need special favors or advantages. Give us the same opportunities and we'll win every time. In Jesus' name, listen to me. We built this city on rock. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. Got caught up in the 80s for a minute. We built this city based on the Methodist Christians that were here. Learn about where these universities came from. Learn about where our great businesses came from. Learn about these things. I tried to share some of it last week. The number one African-American inventor of the 1800s was a Christian, and he said everything he did came from God. The number one supplier of food, Quaker Oats, was from Chicago and gave all the glory of God, was on the board of Moody for 40 years. Are you guys listening to me? What we have to do is do it by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't treat them the way they treat us. When, when Joseph got in charge of Egypt, he didn't start treating them the way they had treated him. When Daniel got in charge in Babylon, he didn't start treating them the way they treated him. We are always better. And I'm going to show you that. So I just want to be very clear. When I talk about winning, when I talk about taking charge, I'm not talking about doing it by physical force or to the harm of somebody else. I'm actually going to show you in Scripture, by God's grace, that they're going to be happy when you're in charge. They might squeal a little bit, just like your kids squeal when you tell them how to eat their vegetables. But over time, they are thankful that you're in charge. Can I hear an amen? That you're not giving your kids Twinkies for dinner every night. Right? How many, how many young people here, you had parents that didn't let you eat Twinkies every night, and now you're thankful for it. 
And the world doesn't understand you right now. They don't get what we're doing right now. This makes them feel uncomfortable. But as we have more businesses, as we have more churches that actually make differences in this community, as we have more leadership in our families, our people, these people, wonderful people of Chicago, they'll be thankful for us. How many believe that? They'll be thankful. You know why? Because they can leave their doors unlocked again. How many want to see that happen? I'm talking about not just your car doors. I'm talking about your house doors because you're not afraid of somebody stealing. God's people can do that again to a community. How many want to be able to walk down your street in the middle of the night, 9 o'clock, if you've got to walk off something and get something off your mind and not be threatened or be afraid to do that? How many want to be able to do that? Come on. This is our culture. This is our community. We're not going to force it. We're not going to make them do it. We're just going to do it and set the lead. How, how do we know that we're going to be good leaders? When we look behind and we see people following us. When I take my kids out to a restaurant and I say it's time to go and I walk and I get to the door and I look behind me and they're not there, I've done a bad job. They're all hanging around their mom. They're waiting for mom to tell them it's time to go. But when I say, let's go, why raw sticks, let's go. And then I walk and they all waddle behind me like little ducks. I'm a good leader. Amen. We're not just going to come to church and talk about taking charge. We're going to take charge, and when we look behind us, we're going to see the mayor and the governor coming to churches like this in Jesus' name. When we say it, we're going to mean it, and the CEOs of all of these businesses around are going to come here in Jesus' name. And they're going to bring us back into their businesses to do chapels, Christian Business Association, and luncheons. These things are going to happen in Jesus' name. I believe it. I believe where there's a great shaking, there's a great awaking. I believe where God said the last shall be first, this is the last generation, and we're not going to let the early church outdo us. We're going to be just like them and give Peter a run for his money. I said, are you listening? Amen. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I'm not going to heaven saying, I wish I would have saw what Peter saw. I want Peter to come sit at my table at the Lamb's Supper and say, hey, I heard about you guys in Jesus' name. What was the Lord doing in Chicago in 2022? I want to hear Peter come sit at my table. I don't want to just hear Peter do all the talking. How many want to have something to talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb? That means when we all get together and we talk about what God did, we're going to celebrate in Jesus' name. Amen? Look at this passage, Luke chapter 19, verse 11. While they were listening to this, and trust me, Jesus was preaching very similar to how I was just preaching in these passages above. While they were listening to this, he went on, Jesus did, to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Somebody say at once. Thank you. You see, the early disciples thought the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven, the Messiah is here, boom, bam, thank you, ma'am, it's happening now. He had to tell them this parable so that they could understand that a day to the Lord is like a thousand years to us. Are you listening? See, this parable is for us even more so than it was for them. They thought it was going to happen then, and here we are now 2,000 years later. And talk about being discouraged. Talk about seeing everything going to hell in a handbasket. Who's even thinking now this is possible? I've seen so many Christians lose their faith during times like this because they go, oh, man. If Jesus said he was coming back and going to fix all of our problems, and these problems keep getting worse and worse, what does that mean? Maybe he's not coming back. Maybe the Bible's not true. The Bible tells us a parable about this. It took, listen to me, it took 300 years to bring the emperor of Rome to his knees and confess Christ. Did you ever wonder why? It's called the Roman Catholic Church and not the Turkey Catholic Church or the Assyrian Catholic Church or the Greek Catholic Church. Do you want to know why it's called Rome? 
It's because the Christian hub became Rome while we won the emperor in the Roman country in the Roman nation to Jesus Christ. The Roman people became Christ followers all the way up to the highest part in the land. You look at our rulers now and say, oh, I couldn't imagine them a Christian. These Roman emperors were wicked, way more wicked than we've ever seen now. Not only did they do sexual perverted wickedness, but they were bloodthirsty and they would do it for sport. And yet the Christian said, I believe Rome will become Christ followers. Christian said, I believe Rome will become a nation that belongs to God. It took them 300 years. You know what happened to those Christians? They were thrown into the lion's den. They were thrown before gladiators by those emperors, one after another. You ever heard of Roman candles? Those are real. They would impale Christians, put oil on them, and set them on fire on their Roman roads. And says, this is what happens to those who follow the Christus and call him the Lord. We will crucify you. We will kill you. We will rape and pillage your children, take away all your property. The Bible says some had to even live in caves. The Bible says the world was not worthy of them. You can read about their stories and what they did. Fox's Book of Martyrs. Eusebius Church historian covers the first years of the, uh, the early Christians. But you know what eventually happened? Roman soldiers got saved. Roman governors got saved. Roman leaders got saved until the emperor's mother got saved and then the emperor himself got saved and put a cross over Rome. That's where it started. And of course, every conspiracy after that. But that's where it started. And that's why it's in Rome. Christians won Rome. How do you think we got into Africa? People think Christianity is a white man's religion. They're ignorant of history. Africa at one point had more Christians than Rome did because they were killing us in Rome, but they were welcoming us in Africa. All northern Africa was the hub, Alexandria, Egypt, of the Christian apostles and the colleges and the largest libraries. We had those lands until the Muslims came and took them. You see, Christianity has won many battles before, not just physical, but of the worldview. Right now in China, we are growing faster there than in America, and it's illegal to have a non-state-run church. Read or Google the churches being demolished when they don't pay their taxes the right way or do their things the right way, and they keep increasing and making it harder and harder. They'll demolish the churches of China, and so they have gone underground, and they say right now there's around 100 million Christians that have come about in China because of the underground church in the last 50 years by God's grace. Another place where Christianity is growing fast is Iran right now. God is winning these nations to the Lord. And so listen, my friends, I mean this from every part of me right now. There is something for you and I to take charge of. But it will not, everybody get this, it will not appear at once. It has never been that way. It will not be this way now. You and I will pay a price for this. We will be patient and we must wait. I think about those who stormed the beaches of Normandy and they got mowed down by those pillboxes that had those high-powered machine guns in them. As these first got, these brave soldiers first got off the boat, they littered the beaches with their blood. But you know why they did it, even though they knew most of them would die? Because the ones coming behind them were going to keep on storming those beaches until they couldn't stop all of them. And they began to break through the lines and take back over that land. They may shoot me 
down, but I got children coming right behind me. They may take them down, but we got more coming behind us. They can't stop us in Jesus' name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Chicago on the west side to the south side to the north side to the downtown east by the lake in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We'll buy city blocks again like D.L. Moody did. Praise God. We will establish the universities again in Jesus' name. And we'll name our hospitals after the saints that we know. St. Anthony. Hallelujah. We'll name it after this one. We are the saints of God. We are his people. But we have to understand this will not appear at once. Don't take the Lord's uh, you know, slowness in coming as he is slow to keep his promise, as Peter said. He will keep his promise. But his long-suffering, his delay, in other words, is for the salvation of the nations. And I want to see salvation in this nation again in Jesus' name. Amen? Now look at this. He said, it will not appear at once. So I'm going to tell you all a parable. I'm going to read through it by God's grace without preaching. Help me, Lord. And then we'll put it into context, into our everyday life. Amen? Okay, here it is. A man of a noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he said to those servants to whom he had given the money, he wanted to now find out what they had gained with it. Verse 16, the first one came to him and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter Take charge of 10 cities. Somebody say, take charge. A preacher coming out right now. Take charge of five cities. Then to another he came, or 10 cities. And then to a second came and said, sir, your mina has received five more. His master answered him. He said, what to him? You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, sir, here's your mina. I have kept it laid in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. Here it is. Here it is. Here's my mina. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I was a hard man? taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why didn't you put it, my money in the bank on deposit so that when I came back, I at least would have got interest? Somebody say, servant got my money? Come on, you better put some interest on it. Then he said to those standing by, take this mina away from him. Take it away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minus. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that everyone who has will be given more. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. That's your Jesus. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Woo! Get me excited. We gonna kill people, Pastor? Nope, but my Jesus will. Who's he killing? All those who don't want him king. Why did Jesus tell us a parable like that? Didn't he know Oprah was gonna get offended? Didn't he know that you would bring a visitor today, that you just wanted to hear about the love of Jesus because they're going through so much and church needs to be a hospital for the hurting? Why would Jesus ruin a great Sunday service this way? Jesus is teaching us the reality of what's going on in this world. Let's get some of the basics down as we go to the beginning, please. Number one, this is his world. He is the king of this world. And he has gone away to heaven to be anointed king to come back to this land. He did not ascend to heaven just to go up there and chill. He ascended to heaven to be anointed king by his father until all of his enemies become a footstool. Our orders on behalf of the king is to be his ambassador and tell the world the king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. Be ready. Repent for the king is coming. I've got good news When he comes, he'll wipe away every tear. I got good news. He'll heal every sickness and disease. But here's the bad part. If you don't want him to be your king, you'll get what you want. Not to be in his kingdom, but in another place called hell. What is hell? Not God's kingdom. I don't want God as my king. I would rather reign in hell than serve in heaven, as some uh, sassy unbelievers have said. Then you get your wish. You get the opposite of God's kingdom, hell. Will any go to hell because of God's choice? Will they be sent there saying, oh, I didn't make the right choice? No, they will be sent there based on their choice. Now they may have regrets, but whose choice is it for them to go to hell? Their own. Is God choosing for me or you whether or not we go to heaven or hell? Let me ask it to you this way. Whose choice is it whether you go to heaven or hell? God's choice or your choice? It's my choice. He's a king. He has gone to heaven, and he is coming back. And guess what he did? He gave us all gifts and talents. He gave them to us. Now, in this parable, it's a little different because they've all been given the same amount. In Matthew's parable, it says that some get different amounts. You put them together, you can see that there's a harmony here. In some ways, we all have the same thing, like this parable says. In other ways, like Matthew's retelling of Jesus' parable, we get different amounts of things and that we'll have to be responsible for them. Either way, somebody say, take charge. Thank you. What are you going to do and what am I going to do with the talents and abilities and giftings and privileges that God has given us? Will we put them to work for his kingdom or will we hide them in our little cloth because we're ashamed and have them taken from us? Let's think about the people of this culture that have used their talents but not for God. What will happen on Judgment Day to them? Their talents will be taken from them and given to those of us who use them for the Lord. And somebody might say, well, hey, well, hold on. Rudy already has 10 cities to manage. Why give him more? And God's going to be like, because he did what I asked him to do. I'm going to give to the one who has more, even more. Now, what does he say happens when he comes? It says when he comes, there's a judgment. That's real. And I think that sometimes puts the fear of God in us. How many know the sentence, only God can judge me, should scare the hell out of you? 
Okay, you should be happy I'm here telling you what the judge is going to do, preaching to you, because then if you get offended and go, oh, don't judge me. Listen, when the judge comes, there's no talking back. When the judge comes, it's final. Everyone here should be happy that we're in their lives telling them what the judge is going to do on that day. Amen? Because when the judge comes, it's going to be worse than what we saw in Endgames with Thanos. The Bible literally says, when he breathes, the nations are wiped out and the mountains melt like wax. Can you imagine that? Just thinking about in-game, spoiler alert, by the way. When you think about in-games and Thanos snaps his fingers and half the world disappears, was there any lawyer that could argue with him in the movie? Was there any superhero that could say, but bo, bo, wait, don't snap your fingers and make me disappear. It was just snapped and done. No more discussion, no argument, no pity patty party. Well, Thanos, you don't understand. I've been a single man. It's my wedding day. Please give me another day to live through this. No, in the movie, Thanos says it's over, snap, done. How much more so when our God splits the skies, comes riding on his horse. There's no more discussion. There's no more, well, who's right now? Well, I thought this one was right. Well, I watched this TV show or this documentary or I followed this cult leader. No, there's no more discussion. Judgment. It's done. So it's a little scary. I get it. That's called the fear of the Lord. We should always honor God that way. God, I love you as a father, but I know you're a tough father. How many had some tough fathers? How many know they were gentle and you loved them, but you knew not when to mess with them? That's the kind of dad I had. I loved him. He was gentle. I talked back to my mom. Another man came out. The way I tell people is this is the way I see God. My God's a king. Most of us don't understand kings, so I say it this way. My God's like a general. Imagine your God being, uh, your dad being a general. You live on a military base. Your dad comes home. He pinches your cheek. He tosses you in the air. He goes in the back. He lets you paint him like a clown, face painting, whatever. That's your dad. Somebody say, that's my dad. But how many know when he suits up and he gets on that plane and he lands in Iraq, your dad is going to drop some stuff like it's hot over there. So this is what I say to people. My God is a father to me. I'm in his house. I'm a king's kid. I bounce on his lap. He's got a sense of humor. How many know God's got a sense of humor? Messes with us all the time to make us laugh, to humble us, doesn't he? But you become his enemy, he will destroy you. So the Bible says in hell forever, he will destroy us. Don't become his enemy. Don't side with the traitor. Are you listening? Come on, don't side with the devil. Stay with Jesus, and you'll always be safe in the Father's arms, arms in his house. So we see the judgment comes, but what comes with that judgment that Jesus really focuses on? The handing out of rewards. Now, in the Matthew parable, the parable of the talents, these are parables of minuses. They're just different descriptions of the way they understood money. We just hear that they're rewarded. Come enjoy your master's happiness and the kingdom prepared for you. Right? There's no real details to the reward. I like Luke because now we get the details. What are the rewards that Christians have to look forward to? Highlight, take charge of cities, please. Christians will, when the kingdom comes, take charge of cities. It's further down, sir. You'll see it. And so what are we supposed to do now? Take charge of cities. What is our inheritance? Taking charge of cities. How many believe it's going to happen one day? Can I just pause from preaching and go to teaching? Like I said in the first service, you want to know the difference between preaching and teaching? Preaching's when I yell it. Teaching's when I tell it. Can I just tell it for a minute here? How many believe that it's literally going to be a kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? How many? 
Do you really believe that? Do you really believe like desks like this will be here? Chairs will be here? I do. Before the new heavens and earth and everything is recreated and it looks like the Garden of Eden, we rule and reign for a thousand years, the Bible says. It's been prophesied in Old Testament and New Testament. How many believe that? Okay, that's what they're talking about here. That's what Jesus is preparing them for. He is telling them this is what it's going to be like. You all are going to be given cities, plural, cities. How many believe one of you needs to get over Gary right now and help it out in Jesus' name? How many believe we need to help out Chicago? Okay? There's a method in a way. We do it in our country. It's called voting democracy. We're a republic. I get it, but it's done very democratic, okay? Well, how is it going to be here? The king's here. It's a monarchy. He's our king. It's a theocracy. It's a little different, but do you get the point of the goal? The goal is you are going to be over cities. We think of the kingdom of God as you being on a fishing trip. You are not going on fishing trips. You are not baking, uh, 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 I want to say, uh, uh, calzones with iguela, okay, or grandmama. You're, you're, you're not making uh, calzones, not cal what is this thing, empanadas with iguela and calzones with whatever we say in Italy for grandma. I just called her grandma, okay. You know, she called me Giuseppe, Giuseppe. That's what my Italian grandmother called me. We're, we're not going fishing with grandpa. We're not making calzones with our loved ones. What you're doing for a thousand years is serving the king and bringing his kingdom on earth. Now, will there be days off to go wakeboarding, snowboarding, kite, kite sailing, or whatever we like to do in earth, on earth? Yeah, there'll, there'll be days to do that. But the point is we are here to rule and reign. That's the point of the kingdom. Does everybody see that? This is not something that only is discussed here. Can I show you that in other places? Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 18. I just want to show you this now in other places because this is the way Jesus spoke. Luke chapter 18, verse 29. Luke chapter 18, verse 29. This is the way Christians should understand their purpose. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left house or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times in this age and in the age to come. So now do you see the correlation? There's an age we're in now, and there's an age to come. Does that mean we are only to wait for the age to come? No. What does it say here? You will receive back houses. You will receive back family and loved ones. Where? As much as in what age? This age and in the age to come. Does everybody get it? So let's put it in the context. Let's stay here, though, but let's put it in the context you will be given cities in the age to come, but also cities where? In this, are you all playing along with the Bible now? Some of you are like, I don't know to believe this yet, Pastor. I'll get you there. Just go along with it for right now. I'll help you. Don't fake it, but just go along with it. Just follow the thoughts. One day, you're rewarded with cities if you've been a good Christian. Is everybody tracking there? Here it says you'll be rewarded with houses and people in your life, but not just in the age to come, in this age. So what is the correlation? What is the connection Bible students are supposed to make here? We all become conquistadors? No, no, no. no, 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 no. Hold, hold on back here, Magellan. Hold back here. Hold on before we take over these lands. What we're supposed to connect, though, is we will have houses and lands and cities, but not by the sword because we're not enforcing it like Jesus will when he comes on a white horse. Ah, does everybody get it? We still want houses and land. 
We still need to rule over cities, but we're not doing it in the finality of a theocracy with sword. That's done by God on judgment day. How do you know the Christians are now over the planet when Jesus comes back? Not when we get a military, not when we have a government married with the church, not when we start dropping our own bombs. No, no, no. How do you know Christians now are in charge? Because Jesus has crossed as lightning over the sky. Every eye has seen him. He has landed on the mountain of olives, and he has established his kingdom. That's how we now know this is the new age, right? Okay, is everybody tracking with me? But until that new age comes, Christians are supposed to be saying that they have prayers now or asking God, rather, for things to be answered in this age. So if I've lost people, don't have them as my friend anymore, I'm, because of, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to ask God for more friends. God, send me more friends. I've given up so much for you. That's in this age. God, I've given up my job for doing what's right. God, I've given up finances. I've made these sacrifices. But I'm also supposed to pray, God, give them back in this age. Can I hear an amen? My children, Lord, some of my children, they don't serve you. They're not serving you right now. But God, I want 100 spiritual children coming out of Humble Park in Jesus' name, right? So I'm praying for whatever I've lost to be given in this age. Somebody say this age. Okay, go to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. Now what do we do? In this age, before that age comes where Jesus steps on the Mount of Olives, what do we do? Proverbs 13, 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So as long as we are living and dying, whenever we leave this planet, we're supposed to have left something for our children until we have a resurrected body. That's what we celebrate Easter for. As he resurrected, we will resurrect for that thousand years. That's when we're with him. And now we no longer die. Is everybody with me on that? So there's not an inheritance in that way. But until that time comes, until death is swallowed up for believers, every time we die as Christians, there should be looking back something that we left behind called an inheritance. That's what we're supposed to do. And the sinner's wealth is stored up for who? The righteous. So as time goes on, everybody get this. As I am acquiring my wealth to give to the next generation, where is that coming from? The wicked. How many of y'all even in Bible class right now? Only my wife helped me out on that. Highlight it for them, my brother. Put a nice little star there and a smiley face, like maybe a little teddy bear pointing at it as like a gift. Bing, bing, bing. There it is. So think about it. I'm on this planet right now. How many know Joe is here right now? Everybody say, hi, Joe. I'm here. I'm not an illusion, right? So what am I supposed to give to my children as I pass away? If the Lord tarries and I'm an old man and I, and I can't preach anymore and it was fun doing it, fellas, but it's time for me to say goodbye, what's supposed to be behind me? An inheritance. Where did it come from? The sinner's wealth. So I am supposed to be building an inheritance as I build wealth and cities and opportunities that discount or get away from the wicked, the sinners, and added to the righteous. So you and I, wherever we see wicked with wealth, are to say, that belongs to me and my God in Jesus' name. Without jealousy, but we are to say, like, I've sh like I preached all last week by God's grace, Apple has the phone game on lock right now, right? I want the new phone to come from the righteous and for them to lose their sales. Does everybody get that? Somebody's got their name on buildings downtown, and I guarantee most of them are not Christian. I want you to own those buildings and put your name on them. But, but Pastor, we're just supposed to wait for Jesus to go to heaven. Reread the parable. 
Do you get it now? Reread the parable. Reread what this is telling you. Next one, Proverbs 29.2. Remember I said the wicked are going to be happy we're in charge? They're going to like your name more than Trump's name. Why? Because you're not going to do what Trump did with women, touching them and doing dishonest things. Amen? You're going to do better than Sears. Can I hear an amen? You're going to do better than Wrigley. How many, how many like Wrigley Field? Have you ever been to Lopez Field? Come on, St. Anthony. We're going to get you a hospital. We're going to get you Lopez Field. Now, I know not everybody's going to have it like this, but we're going to be a part of it. If I'm not the, if I'm not the Lopez, I want to be with the Lopez. I want to be with the Christian that's doing the next thing. Are you listening? When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people what? Groan. What are they doing right now in Russia? Groan. What are they doing in Ukraine? What are they doing in China? What are they doing right now in Mexico and a lot of these Latin American nations? What are we doing here in, in America right now? We're all groaning. Why? Why are all these nations groaning? Why are all these cities groaning? Because the righteous aren't thriving. Because you and I, as I said last week, instead of having big dreams, you and I are, are looking at un pequito little dreams. Oh, if I could just spend my money on the tax return, on these new things for my kids, I'll be so happy. Why not take that tax return, invest it in something, and become self-employed in Jesus' name? Are you listening? You and I can become great. We're going to take charge of cities at one point. Why not get some practice now? Now, I want you to look at how Paul talked. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians, please. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is how Paul talks. Somebody say, the apostle. The apostle had a swag. Everybody say it with me. The apostle had a swag. You want to see the apostle swag, my bro? I feel like you got a swag, man. I feel like I just, I feel like I'm still stuck in the 80s here, like 90s maybe. I've got my sketchers, man. Look at you. I don't even know what those are, man. Those are cool. Those are sketchers too. God bless you, my, my bro. You look good, though, man. They're nice and white and clean. I try to clean these, but they're not so clean all the time. But you know what? I got a swag. I got an apostle swag. I think you got it, too. But you want to see it? You want to see how our apostle did it? Look at this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. This is what our apostle said. He said we ought to run the church really serious because the church is the kingdom of God. Look at what he said in, in verse 12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? They're going to act crazy and wild, right? Are you not to judge those inside the church? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. So why does the church kick people out when they're not living right? Because we're establishing the kingdom of God right here in a microcosm. And one day we'll do it in government. Do you know it used to be against the code of conduct for pro politicians to have adulterous affairs? Now they just get away with it all the time. That used to be part of the thing you couldn't do. You get kicked out of office. Now you can slap a person and still get an Academy Award. Are you listening to me? This is the crazy world we live in. Hello. And now I hear he's wanting, you know, they're doing something about it. You should have did something about when that man got slapped. And I don't even care if it was set up. The whole point is it happened, and then everybody's standing around doing nothing. Take that man, put him in cuffs, and press charges on him in Jesus' name. Now people are going to think they can slap anybody. God have mercy. Amen? We need to pray for our nation. This is what they think normal is now, slapping somebody because they did something stupid. I know stupid is as stupid does, but we don't have the right to do physical violence against people, only in self-defense. Amen? Now I want you to hear this. This is Paul talking. He says, guys, and I'm going to summarize here. He says, guys, your church is messed up. you got a lot of sinful things going on here. You make excuses and say you live in a wicked world called Corinth. That was a wicked place to live. But I'm tired of your excuses. God will deal with these wicked 
Corinthian people, but right now in the church, make this place look like heaven on earth. How many parents have ever had to say that to their children? I know we live in a crazy neighborhood. I know you can't even watch the video screen at Buffalo Wild Wings because there's always something crazy coming on over there. But in this house, we're doing it a certain way. I'm kicking this out now. I'm, I'm shutting down this game now. I'm turning off this Netflix show now. Here, this is how we do it, right? Okay, how many can relate to that? But keep going. How many know chapters and verses came later so we wouldn't spend a long time looking for stuff? Hey, man, find that place where Paul said this. It would take a long time. So just keep going, chapter 6. It's the same thought. Nothing has changed. We put numbers, breakdowns there, little subtitles, but Paul is still writing. It's the same point. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? He's saying, man, you guys are getting in fights with each other. Somebody bumps into one carriage, you know, horse and buggy carriage out back now in the parking lot. Now you're taking each other to judge Judy, embarrassing yourselves. Why are you doing this? Because look at what he says. Or do you not know, highlight verse 2, please. Or do you not know the Lord's people will judge the world? Don't you judge me. I'm not now, but I will later. Don't, who do you think you are? I'm a child of God, a king's kid, about ready to rule your city and be your judge. Oh, come on, somebody. You want me to go back to the Noah's Ark thing? And two by two, they went into an ark. And you know, you need relationships in life, guys. And sometimes you feel alone, but there's a two by two thing coming right now. And God's going to protect you. Everybody's going to be all right. You want me to go back to Noah's Ark? Are you listening? This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take charge. I am going to judge the world. You are going to judge the world. So think about this. In the middle of Paul bringing up a correction, it was nothing for him to ask a rhetorical question. Like every single one of us is supposed to be like, oh, duh, of course I'm going to judge the world, Paul. Why am I so stupid right now going to judge Judy? But most of us, when I preach that we're going to judge the world, what do you think? Oh, Dios mío. We have gone to a court. This is the soft-spoken person that just has a hint of a Latino accent. Oh, we are in a court right now. I'm never coming back here, Armando. We're never coming back here. Pastor wants to take us, take over cities. He wants to rule the world. He wants to be our judge. We're going back to this church over here. I hear they're doing a Noah's Ark seminar. We're going back to hear that story again about Jesus feeding the 5,000 when is Palm Sunday anyway? I want to get a palm. What church are we going to for Palm Sunday? Because we're not coming back here. I can tell you for sure they're not going to have a palm. <laughs> or do you not know that the Lord's people, not just God, but the Lord's people will judge the world. And if you, now notice the correlation I was trying to show you between Jesus' parables. Like if we're going to get cities then, and we're going to have houses now. Shouldn't we also achieve the cities? Shouldn't we also have the wealth because we need inheritances? You know, as I'm trying to make those connections, look at how Paul makes the connection now. And if you are going to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? So why isn't right now one of you the judge Judy of our culture? You're capable. You're going to be judging the world, so judge these things now. Last time I checked, they didn't swear on a Quran. What do they swear on when they come into office? What do you swear on when you go into the courtroom? What do we have, a yoga instructor or a Bible chaplain over the Congress? 
What does it say on your dollar bill? In Muhammad we trust. Come on, people. Let's get back to the Bible. It's ours in Jesus' name. It's all ours. It was given to you by God. Dream big. Dream big for your family. Dream big for your job. I mean, I'm trying to touch everything I can. Dream big for the courts. We get all upset about these unjust judges. Pray for godly judges. We get upset about the police. Pray for godly police officers. We pray, uh, you know, we get upset with these aldermen. Pray for godly aldermen. Be them in Jesus' name. And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? How many know what's about ready to come next is even going to make Gabriel nervous? Do you not know that you will even judge angels? Gabriel just said, what did he just say? I'm getting judged by them? I could imagine, I'm telling you, I could imagine right there Gabriel just got shocked. I can just imagine he went over to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I just saw one of your apostles say that they're going to be judging us. Is that true? And I could imagine Jesus saying back, yes, indeed, they will be judging you. They'll be judging Michael and they'll be judging every fallen one of those demons on this earth. You and I will judge angels. How much more the things of this life? Do you see now the how much more? You will be given cities in the age to come. How much more should you be given those cities now? You'll be given houses and land and family members and godly people to rule with in the kingdom to come. How much more so now? You will have inheritances to give to your children from the wicked's wealth. You will rule them and they will rejoice in the world to come. But how much more so now? In Jesus' name, can I hear an amen? Let's go to the book of Revelation, which you know is scary. You know the sinner says, oh no, but what does the saint say? Oh yes, they're afraid of Revelation. I can't wait for it. When you watch those movies like Avengers, do you feel sorry for the bad guy at the end? No. Who are you cheering on? The good guys. I read the book of Revelation and I say, we win in the end. How many know when Jesus said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will take vengeance? How many know that's a real thing coming? So seriously, think about that for a second. That just encourages me. God will take care of this. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. And we're going to see it out of the King James because the NIV lessens it by saying kingdom where it should be really king. So now go to the King James, please, and look at Revelation 1, 6. Jesus speaking and describing who we are in the kingdom to come. This was the way they spoke. John says what Jesus has already said. And hath God made us what? Kings and what? Priests unto God his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and how long? Forever. So he has made us what? Kings and what? Priests. Are you a king's kid? Now, does that mean you mistreat people on this earth? No, we are kings like how David was king while Saul was persecuting him. How many know the story of Saul persecuting David even though he was a king? A few of you? David was made king, but Saul said, I'm going to hold on to this as long as I can, and he was a wicked old king, and he kept persecuting David. But David kept doing the right thing, but the whole time he was a king. Right now they don't see the royalty on us. They persecute us. They mock us. They try to take our jobs, our wealth, our substances. They try to hold our children back by teaching them this nonsense in the schools. 
But what does God say about you? You're a king. You're a priest. And all the Catholic priests said amen. But does it say just for Father Tom? All of us. All of us are the kings and the priests. Who are we helping? The world. I don't need a priest if I am a priest. Amen? I don't need a king if I am a king in that sense. I have one king, one high priest, God. All of us, we're now priests and kings on behalf of that one high priest and that one high king. Amen? Go to the other passage, please. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. I'm getting to a closing, but I just want to encourage you to take charge. Look at what it says. And he has made us unto our God. Look at what the, once again, is repeating what Jesus has said to us. And he has made us unto our God. What? Kings and what? Priests. And we shall fish on the earth. We shall make empanadas on the earth, calzones. And we shall do what? Reign on the earth. Next one, please. Revelation chapter 21, verse 24, right at the end of the book. Do you know that we will be over kingdoms that will make trips to Jerusalem to pay homage to our God? Did you know that? Some of you are learning. Look at verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved. The nations are what? Saved. So that means their king is saved too, right? If the nation is saved. That means the religious leaders are saved too, right? And from the baker to the candlestick maker, the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, the light of the Lamb in the previous verse. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor unto him. Have you ever heard the saying, crown him with many crowns? Where do those crowns come from? Us. Come on, people, get this vision here. You and I are going to be kings over nations with crowns, ruling and reigning with Christ, and coming at times of the year, laying our crowns before his feet, and then declaring him to be what? King of kings. So there's kings on the earth, and he's the king of them. And then what else? He is the Lord of the lords. In his kingdom. Talk about the round table. This is where we come. And then we go back to our nations. Now, I know this was a great theology, uh, you know, something to discover new for many of us. But let's put it now in the practical as I sense the Lord moving me on in the next few weeks for our second service. First service is still doing John. These are spontaneous, uh, spontaneity, spontaneous, thank you, services. So for two weeks, I wanted to talk about this. So I'll be moving on in God's grace. But let's make it practical as Vinny comes. When you and I look at problems in this world, we should not look at them the way the world does. We should look at them as king's kids, opportunities to bring God's solutions. As much as problems have been done when Christianity got the biggest, it also shows us what we're capable of. When the kings began to understand of those times that there, were, there was a round earth and there were lands to be discovered, I know they didn't do it right, but think about the courage that they had. Could Christians be the next ones to Mars as we were the first ones to travel the ocean? Right? Come on. How many know it was Christians that were the first astronauts too? We were the first sailors around the world and we were the first astronauts. How about the next trip to Mars? See, why are we limiting ourselves? 
How many know that on the earth today, on this earth, there's going to be people buying and selling everything from the food that we eat to the clothes that we wear to the services of electricity to everything? How many know those things are going to be traded and bought and sold this week? Where should the Christians be? Leaders taking charge. So some of you, get this, some of you may say, okay, well, I work for the electrical company. You know, I don't own it or whatever. Maybe that's not even possible, right? Okay, but you're there. You're working for the electrical company. Take charge. Well, well Pastor, all I do is take the calls on ComEd. Take charge. Right there. Start right there in that cubicle. Eight hours a day. Kingdom of God is at that seat with you. Make your desk look nice. Talk politely to the people on the phone. Give outstanding customer service. Kingdom of God in that cubicle. Pastor, but I'm a teacher in a public school. That classroom belongs to God. Go to that classroom. Pray in a way that draw, doesn't draw attention to yourself before every class. Take a deep breath in and pray as you exhale. What am I saying as I'm exhaling? Jesus, be with me now. Empower me to lead these students. Breathe in and breathe out your prayer in your heart and start to treat them as you would want to be treated. Even if you disagree with them, honor them. In the place that you have there, if we all leave and go to a commune, no one speaks to them. So if you have to call them by their names that they want to be called by, by different genders, you're in Babylon, live by their rules, but no Babylon's in your heart. If you want to quit, that's fine. Go work for a private school. But I'm talking to some of you. You need to know how to bring the kingdom of God to Babylon. Ask God to use you there. Others. You're going to go to a work site. A lot of working men and women here. You're going to go do construction. You're going to do drywall. You're going to paint. We have a lot of those in the church. You're going to work with people on the job. Some are going to be over you. They're going to be the general contractor, and they're going to call you every name except the one your, your mama gave you. They're going to cuss at you. They're going to treat you a certain way. I, walk, I worked with uh, um, scaffolders one day downtown Chicago, and I saw what construction workers, how they earned their reputation. Literally, these guys catcalled. Every woman that came by cussed at me about four different times and thought that was the way to become my friend. And I was only on the job one time with these guys, okay? You get out there, and you start talking about Jesus. Hey, man, did you see that game? No, man, I went to church. Let me tell you about what I learned and just go right into it. Hey, man, you see that pretty girl walking by? Man, listen, I'm married. Let me tell you about my wife. My wife and I have had 17 years of great marriage. It's amazing. Preach as much as you can to those men and women. Those of you here today that operate your own businesses, you need to start letting people know on that business, we do things different here. Yeah, yeah, but that customer told me this, and that place I used to work at told me when they talk like this, you can talk like that. No, not here, we don't. When they cuss us out, we say, I'm sorry that that's the way you feel, but we're not going down to your level. Pigs love to get dirty. We're not pigs. We soar on the wind like eagles. That's what we'll be in this business. Oh, yeah, but that's what, but they said they're going to do this and give us a review. Let them give that review. We'll get 100 more five stars in their place. Stay-at-home moms and dads, you got it easier compared to the others because at least you can put on worship music in your office 
I'm not saying your job work-wise is easy, but you got easier ways I can help you out. Do what my wife does. Start every morning with worship. On. Well, that, 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 Joe, you don't understand. My kids have to go to school at this time. Blah, 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 blah. Get up an hour earlier then. Turn off that Netflix. Stop binging and get the Word of God. Well, we got to be at school at 6. Then put the prayer music on at 5. Are you listening? Well, I got to drop them off and go there. What are you playing in that car as you're dropping them off? My mom used to pray every time I walked out that door, and anytime she took me somewhere in that car, worship music was on. So stay at home, moms and dads. Use that to your advantage. All of us got things to do today, don't we? I look around at my neighborhood, and I always look for opportunities on how to serve. I don't want to boast on myself right now, and I don't want to say I've always gotten along with my neighbors, but I shovel their driveway when the snow's out. I cut their grass. I take care of their pets, their dogs, their, their whatever they got going on. That's the reputation I have in my neighborhood. I keep my children in order. I take charge. And I can't tell you how many times I've been at the playground and I've said, hey, 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 young kids, we don't talk like that here at this playground. You said, what? My kids are here. Where are my kids at? Somewhere here. Where's my older ones? Have you heard me talk to the kids in the neighborhood about how they talk on our playground? That's our playground, isn't it, in Jesus' name? We don't talk dirty on that playground. I don't know how long it's going to take. It probably won't appear at once. You'll probably get yelled at more than you'll get liked. You'll probably have more strange looks than you'll have appreciation. But at some point, I believe this, in every place we are at, in every sphere, God is going to start establishing his kingdom. People are going to start walking over to that cubicle at ComEd and say, man, I heard you're a Christian, and uh, man, I'm going through some marriage troubles right now. Could you just pray for me? There's already co-workers at this church because co-workers have reached out to co-workers. There are young people, and I know you think your high school is the worst thing. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. But I'm telling you right now, young people, when you go down right now to your lunchroom, you just sit down, put your table, you know, put your food on the table, and just plop your Bible right there. And just read it. They will look at you strange at first, but you know what will start to happen? There's going to be another kid that's going to walk over eventually. Say, hey, man, I see you got your Bible there. I'm a Christian too, man, but don't let anybody know. So I just wanted to, like, sit by you because I think you're going to keep me safe. I'm a little scared. And then you could say, hey, we got a Christian club. Or I do Bible studies afterward in front of the bus stop. It doesn't take a lot to take charge. It just takes somebody doing something for God. We've taken charge of this block. We've taken charge of the west side whenever we come. When we go to Ohio Park, they know who we are. And you can already see those who are the troublemakers who don't want to do what's right, leaving like the cockroaches. And what do you see immediately when that happens? You, it almost brings tears down my eyes. You see the little ones come running back to the park. You'll be at the park and you'll see a bunch of dudes standing there, you know, doing their little stuff. Then they see the, the gospel truck coming. We waving to everybody. You'll see them run off. And I'm telling you, you start to see the children come. And then the children, become, uh, the park becomes safe again. Do you know 
that we would go to that park so much that a woman from the community who belonged to another church came and visited with us and said, this must be a miracle. I've been praying for this park for years named Kathy Adams. Watch this story. I've been praying for this park for years. I said, sister, God told me to come here. She said, every time you come here, I'll be here then. Kathy came every time. Many of you got to meet her. You know what Kathy said? She said, you know what? This park's not right. We don't have everything these other parks have. Our basketball goals are always messed up. She said, I'm going to go to the mayor and ask for a new park here because I'm going to take care of it. When we go to Ohio Park and you see it, that's a brand new park because Kathy Adams went and got it. And then the mayor took notice of her work and gave her an award for taking notice of her park. I remember what that felt like when I got to sit back and say, Kathy, add a girl. That's what Christians look like. Where does it look like now? Why do we settle for this? We may go out to Belmont and Clark and they don't love us there right now. I get it. But we'll keep going. And one day those rainbow flags will wave for the rainbow of Noah's rainbow. Amen? For God having mercy over judgment. But we'll keep going. And you know what? Last story, as the pastor tells a lie. No, help me, Jesus. I'm going to keep it, to keep it honest. Last story, by God's grace. We went to, what high school did you go to? Taft. We went to Taft. And I don't know what I don't like more to mess with on the streets, gangbangers or homosexuals, but both of them can get very upset and sassy quick. Am I telling the truth? So we go out to Taft, and the homosexual book club or whoever they were, the group of friends, did not like us. Every one of them came in front of us snapping and hollering. I'm telling you the truth. For about two weeks. The third week, God is my witness. One tried to do it again, cuss us out, and the other one said, stop, stop. We already done that. We're listening to them now. Is that not the truth? I got it on tape. The first one who started it all, who ended up telling his friends, be quiet. I have it on our tape. We record live. I'll cry right now again. By the end of the school year, they would sit down, and we decided, they would sit with us, and at the end of the school year, we decided to bring them pizza. We had a pizza party with them, and two of them came to the youth group that night. They went from hollering at us, saying that we were everything except who God told us we were, to then eating meals with us and saying, I'll go check out your church. And one of them would have kept coming, except her parents found out that we were preaching against homosexuality. As a sin, as we do, trust me, we're an equal offender. Anybody in sin here is a heterosexual, you'll get it more than the homosexual because you probably deserve it, okay? So how many know we preach against your sins too? And we all need help, okay? And the parents said, you can't go anymore because I don't want you to learn that stuff from the church like that. But that young lady came to our church. Where's TJ at? She came to our church, I believe, twice or just the once? She came twice. And you know what cracked me up? I didn't want to put it on Facebook because I know they look on Facebook. I didn't want to embarrass her or anything. She came early because they went from the high school to there. She had permission from her parents and came to the church. She went out evangelizing with the team. <laughs> 
It cracked me up. The ones who hated us, the ones who mocked us, were now walking around Diversity Avenue. Come to Elevate. Elevate's a great church. I was like, okay, God, you've got a sense of humor here. Would you stand up with me, please, as the band and altar workers come? How many want to do something great for God by taking charge? Husbands, take charge of your families with your wives. No abandoning of children here. Take charge of your marriage. Take charge of your occupation, your future. Young people, take charge of your friends. Be the right kind of friend. And one day we'll rule cities, some of us sooner than, than others. Amen? Father, I pray you raise up leaders here, world changers here, people who develop parks, businesses, happy homes, whatever we can dream about, God. You, do, you can dream bigger. Come on, somebody say, God bless America right now. Pray for this nation, would you please? Say, God bless my neighborhood, your park, your area. God bless this church. A few moments before we go can change our lives. As we're praying, if you don't know Jesus yet, you can ask him into your heart and come pray with these workers. They would love to help you, to pray with you, to love you. But come on, let's pray for a few moments right now. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. Lord, I pray for my park. I pray for my neighborhood. I pray for my family, Jesus. I want to take charge. I want to take charge of some things right now. Begin to pray for your, uh, your nonprofit that you work for, Rudy. Get him a microphone, please. He works for By the Hand. I believe it's the largest uh, young adult program in the city. Multi-million dollar nonprofit reaching out to the south side and west side. Come on, let's agree with him in prayer right now. Father, we're trusting you that your word would go yes, forth Lord. and change lives and not return void, God, yes, that every Lord. single uh, worker that goes to yes. a classroom will live an integrous life yes, and give God. the word as you give it to them. Freely as they receive, they can freely Jesus. give, oh, Lord. And I pray that you will bring increase, God, that, that students come to know you from the from the beacons of hope in every single classroom, oh, God, because yes, we don't want to do things in vain. We don't want to do things that are empty, but, Lord, we want it to be yes. meaningful, God. We want to be in obedience to Hallelujah. you, God, bringing the kingdom of God to every classroom, God, bringing the kingdom of God, to every administrative Jesus. position, oh God, that we know that we are bringing your kingdom at these different sites, Jesus. the ones that are being built, the ones that will be built in the future, God. I pray that, that by the hand will be a beacon of hope in every community that it's in, oh Lord, for Thank your glory you, and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name. In amen. the name of Jesus. I want you to give the mic here to Cynthia Rodan. I want you to pray for all the single moms that are out there. I know you have a heart for them that need to take charge of their family. Would you pray for them right now in Jesus' name? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for every woman here, Lord God. Yes. I thank you, Lord, for their history, their story, Father God, yes. and the will that you have prepared for them, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that yes. pride would be uh, something that they would uh, cost, Lord God, because it, be, it can be very prideful, Lord God, to submit to you, Lord God, while being a single mother, Father God, because it's very Jesus. hard, Lord God. There is nothing that you can so we thank you, Lord, in advance for all the single mothers that you are bringing from this community, Lord, and from word of mouth, Father God, like Pastor Joe said, like yes. co-workers, Lord God. Uh, please allow us, Lord God, to continue to be a leader, Lord, no matter where we are at, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, as, as a nanny as well, Father God, that you would reach all these parents, Lord God, that are just Jesus. throwing their children to sports, Father God, without balancing them with your so I thank you in advance, Father God, for all the opportunities and all the testimonies that will come forth, Lord. In your mighty son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Let's keep praying. Armana Rosa, would you pray for all those who are coming here from other countries? all over the world. They come seeking a better life here. Pray that they'll find Jesus. Like never before, we can preach to people from all over the world. I can preach to Chinese. I can preach to those in Southeast Asia, Bangladesh, all here in America. They're coming here for a reason, for the blessings of our ancestors. Would you pray that we'll reach them in Jesus' name? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, yes. Lord. Take charge. This country, Father God, has been a blessing, Lord, for all, yes. the, um, all the people from another country, Father God. Uh, they have received and they have blessed them, Father God. But every one of um, these people has been coming, Father God, for the blessings, for the money, Father God, for Jesus. this country can give them, Father God. But I pray, Father God, for Hallelujah. all these people that is coming and is still coming, Father God, seeking, Father Jesus. God, a better, a better life in this country, Father Hallelujah. God. I pray for them, Father God, that they seek you, Father God. Yes, Even God. in the midst that they are seeking, Father God, the wellness, Father God, yes. and the richness of this country, Father God, that they find you, Father Jesus. God. I have heard many testimonies, Father God, of people that came here sure. seeking money, Father God, but they have found you, Lord. And yes, I pray that they Jesus. find you, Lord. I pray, Father God, as we... Um, representatives of the gospel in this town, Father God, and in this country, Father God. I pray, Father God, that we reach out to them, Father God, that you prepare the Father God, that we can go to them, Father God, and we preach the gospel, Father God, because just the gospel, Father God, can change their life, Father God. You promise that if we seek the kingdom of God and uh, it's righteousness, Father God. You're going to provide everything, Father God. And I believe, Father God, as we seek your kingdom, Father God, you're going to add everything that we need, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank Woo! you, Jesus. Come on, amen. Before we have the Aztec warrior, I mean, Pastor Berto, pray for us. I want you to give me your attention if you can. Still an attitude of prayer, but it's okay to open your eyes and look at this man of God. You know, I talked about public schools. He works for one technically. It's a charter, but very similar. The same ideas are there. And you know, because of our church taking the stance that we did when everybody was getting woke, which was really being blinded, do you know that they held a protest for him and two other members that went to our church that worked at the school? Three of them were protested by name in front of the school for them to be fired. But do you know that those two other men who left our church as cowards to preserve their own reputation did nothing in defense of the gospel said nothing to the principal, nor did they stand up for themselves in the meeting that the school ended up having. Do you know that God brought our brother to that meeting? He spoke up. He volunteered to be on the equity or diversity council, and he's still working at that school today in the name of Jesus. And so when we're talking about you making a difference, I know it may not always go easy for you, Somebody may go to your job and say, fire so-and-so. They go to a homophobic church. They say that we're going to hell because we're this, this, and that. Fire so-and-so. That's how he had to show up to work and to his staff meetings. But as strong as this man stands now in this church, he stood before them and preached to them. And there were some Christians who said, you know, I kind of agree, but I, I don't know if I would do it the way you did it. But others were encouraged. I believe it was Billy Graham or his wife put it up. I can't remember who it was. But the quote is, when people see a man take a stand, everyone's backs get a little bit more straighter. And that's what he did for them.
Would you pray for the public school system? I know we have to go. I'll be here praying for everything in our world. But would you pray for the public school system, the colleges, the universities, just anything that's public that's giving information. Pray that God will do what he did in your life and others to give us courage. And then would you dismiss us, please? Thank you. Just one correction. I did not join the council. But you had the chance to. I had a chance to. You just said, I don't have the time. You were too busy to be on that thing? Okay. But at least you thought about it. I thought about it. I really wanted to. And you weren't intimidated. No, no. I really wanted to do it. Okay. God didn't open the door. But we'll pray that some other Christian gets on there because if we're not on those counts, there are Christians. Are they kind that side with us or are they kind of the lukewarm kind? Um, What's that? I I don't know. Okay, we got to ask them, like, you got my back here, man? Yeah. Because I don't want to have another protest and your name not be on there. Well, this is what people said to us. Well, it was the way Metro Praise said it. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. Your pastor's a coward and never says it. Tell me, I, I mean this in all honesty. Tell me where the largest churches in Chicago have ever said that homosexuality is a sin on their pulpit. Highlight that clip. There was a time I had said, I'll give you $25 towards that church as an offering if you can clip those churches that are over 2,000 in Chicago that have called homosexuality a sin. And I named their names on Facebook, and I tagged their churches in it. Show me where, and I wish I could right now, but I'm not, I'm not allowed to by the Holy Spirit. You can just guess. I said, tell me where your pastors have said it. Because I don't want to hear this garbage that, oh, well, Metro Praise, you say it so sassy, and it's just the way you say it. Just say it. I want to hear your pastor say abortion is murder. Tell me where your pastor says homosexuality is a damnable sin. Tell me where your pastor said Muslims, Hindus, and Roman Catholic idolaters, not all, but Roman Catholic idolaters do not inherit the kingdom of God. Tell me where he said it once. Dear God, put us out there. Like we're the madmen. Like we're the crazy. Oh, man, that's a crazy church. They're so militant. No, the thing is we just tell you what the Bible says. But you know this, and I also said this, I want everybody to hear this, please, before the man of God prays. And then in a follow-up post, and many of you remember this time, I said, I will challenge any of these churches now to show me who they have won to the Lord from the homosexual lifestyle percentage, our church versus yours, because if you think I've done it wrong, because some of these churches would never say it, and then they would say to us, Pastor, okay, we give you a star next to your name for being bold. Good job. You said it, but you're not effective at it. I said in another post, I said, every one of your churches, show me how many you have from the LGBT community in your church by percentage. I believe at that time we had almost 10 to 15%. You all listening to me? One out of 10 of our members had come from that lifestyle or it was close to it. And many of you know exactly who you are in this church and we never call you out. But you hear those testimonies all the time. And you're telling me 5 10% of their church came out of that life? They've never seen that many. Why? Because we tell those folks the truth. Wouldn't you want to know the truth? Guys, if a bridge was out, do you want me to whisper it to you and sing it to you like the sound of music? There's a bridge out. And you know what? You may want to go that way. You may not. But just want to let you know there's a bridge out. Or do you want me to go, hey, stop. There's a bridge out, please. If you go to hell after that, that's because, if you go off across that bridge, that's because you didn't want to listen. 
Somebody standing with flowers in their ear, waving a sign. There's a you probably ain't gonna pay attention to that. And we put our lives on the line, don't we? We go out there and preach because we care about them. And so, brother, thank you for clarifying that. But I'm still proud of what you did. Can I still be proud of you? Thank you. Just please, thank you. Just not as much, though. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. No, no. Amen. God bless you. God is good, Lord. I I thank you, Lord. I know there's a lot more people like myself in the school system. I pray that you will strengthen them, that you will speak to them. Lord, as this message provokes me and encourages me and confirms uh, to me to be even more outspoken, Lord, and uh, in these meetings, Lord. So I pray that your spirit would move in the hearts of every believers that are in position in the school system to take charge, Lord, to speak up, to, um, Lord, to shine light in the name of Jesus, Lord God. And that walls would be broken down, that people's, uh, the blindness of their eyes would be removed, and the death of their ears and their hearts would be removed, so they would be able to see and hear the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.